you doing? Nice and cool today? I was given permission by a few people to end early. Uh, they said nobody minds leaving early on a hot day. I guess some people do. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, welcome back, Dennis. I heard Dennis was in town, so then I had to study. Um, make sure I brought my game here. So last week we, uh, we spoke about Joseph, and I made it easy on you guys, so you only had to remember one letter. Um, so I kept you guys, you know, pretty easy. I have nothing creative today, so you're just going to have to pay attention this time, and uh, we'll see what's going on. But uh, let's pray. God, I do thank you for today. I thank you that, uh, that you're with us. I thank you that you brought Dennis home safely. God, continue to bless his family. Lord, I pray for his children, that they would grow closer to you, that they would understand your love, God. Lord, uh, bless this ministry here, God. Lord, that we would be able to reach out to people of different cultures, and, and Lord, that we would be able to just love people and, and, Lord, minister to them, that our focus would never be Oasis ministry, but it would be on reaching those that need you, God, and showing your love. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, perspective is a, is a very interesting thing, right? Any, ever look at, like, a relationship, whether it's a, a marriage or, or boyfriend or girlfriend, and you're like, how could they be in that relationship? Anybody, you know, you know some people that are, like, just very dysfunctional, right? They're, they're just like, wow, how could she put up with that? Or how, he, how can he put up with that? And, and you realize in that relationship, like, they don't think there's anything dysfunctional. But because we're on the outside looking in, we can see that. Does that make sense? Right? Or, or maybe, you know, at work, you're at work, and, and, you know, you're just doing the everyday thing. You're doing work, you're doing work, doing work. You go on vacation, and you realize you absolutely hate work, um, hate your job, and maybe it's time to make a career change. Anybody ever been there? Right? Because you remove yourself from that situation, and you get a different perspective of everything. And so last week, I talked to you about how Mariah and I were in ministry forever and, and a day, and we got out, and, and we're getting this whole different perspective of, of ministry and of church and and. Even of God, it's kind of weird. And we've been involved in ministry since, you know, full bore going, few times a week involved, probably since I was in high school, which um, was a long time ago. I graduated in 98, um, but uh, it, it's been a while. It's been a long time for me. Um, I, so, <laughs> so it's been a while, and uh, and so we've been just full blown ministry forever, uh, whether working in New York or, or helping out in any way. And this is the first year we've kind of just sat in the back and 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 kind of just kind of went through Christianity as as maybe some of you guys do it, like you know, just not a ton of ministry and, and you attend, and it's actually kind of nice just to attend sometimes. And and my perspective started changing on on how I was taught that ministry is supposed to be, how church was supposed to be run, how pastors were supposed to act, and and this whole year of just watching Christians interact with each other and with other people and how I used to. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about today is, is this whole thing, this, this perspective shift for myself and for Mariah that, you know, where before we've worked at churches where it was just kind of like, hey, you know, just you, you just worked for the church. 
You know, you, you, you did things for the church. You made sure the coffee was here in the morning. You made sure, you know, that the seats were set up right, which are good. You know, you need to have seats. We appreciate it. But but it never went further than that. You want to, you know, you want to make sure that, that the members' kids are taken care of at all times because if you don't cater to the kids, then you'd lose the families. And so you, you do this whole thing. Make sure the youth group's up and running, and it's catering towards the church kids. And it's as soon as you, you sway from that, parents do not like that, come to find out. And so you bring in some kids that, that aren't churched and that don't know God, and, and maybe one of them says a word that probably shouldn't be said in church. And, and I get phone calls, I got phone calls from parents, and they're like, my daughter heard a swear. It's great, she'll probably hear more. Um, but, but those were the kind of people we were trying to reach out to, but then other church people were like, no, we don't want those kids here, kind of like Dennis is talking about, right? They don't want the, the youth here because of that. And so we kept our church to ourselves, and we kept the sinners out there, and there was no bringing them together. And I told this particular parent that if you want me to stop reaching out to these kids, it would be time for me to find a new job, because I really don't want to be paid to babysit Christian kids. It's just not what I do, not what my heart is for. And it's just awesome to hear that Dennis is going out there and interacting with some of these teenagers. And, you know, Mariah and I were just sitting back there and we we're like, we would absolutely love that trip. That would just be amazing. Um, but but it, it, it's shifting. It's shifting. And we see the same issue in the Bible. Right, you see the same issue where where the Pharisees were like, "Well, look at Jesus; he's he's drinking with the sinners." You know, he's talking to the tax collectors; he's eating with the sinners. And it was this always this big issue with the religious people, because they wanted to separate themselves as far as they can. And so we do that today, right? Maybe not Oasis, but but the Christian church in general. We 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 have Christian coffee houses that we play Christian music, and we make sure that you know we don't really invite sinners; we just invite our other Christian friends from other churches. All right, and so we, we bring them in, right? We do, you know, we do all these little things, you know, the, you know, Christian day at um, Lake Compounds, right? Or Christian day at Six Flags. It's great and fine, but it's, it's allowing us to remain in a bubble so that we don't reach out to, to non-believers. And when I'm working, when I was working in a ministry, I mean, that's all I hung out with was Christian people. You're working with them, and then you end up just hanging out with them and, and doing all this stuff. And it, it has gotten to the point where you're like, I just need to hang around with somebody that's not a Christian because I can't stand these people anymore. Like, it's, it, it, it's, it's serious because nobody's real, you know? You're just kind of like, amen, brother, you know? And, and it's just kind of like this, this fake, surfacey thing. And you're like, man, I just need somebody that's real. All right, something that, that that's just real. So I'll call Dennis, you know. And I'm but, <laughs> the good thing about Dennis is he is what he is, you know, which I love about him. It's no pretense. It's nothing. And you know, and you're just taught if you, if you're in the Christian church long enough, you're taught just to act a certain way. You don't talk about your problems. You don't. How's it going? It's going well, you know. And and it just never goes anywhere, you know. And you just get tired of all that stuff. And it was happening back in the day where Jesus, like, kind of wanting to reach out to sinners, right? He he pretty much didn't even like the religious leaders of the day. And and he just kind of you know hung out with them. And they're like, well, look at him, look at him. And I would think that if Christ walked into a lot of our churches today, he probably wouldn't be accepted. I mean, he would be just a little too radical and just a little, just not accepted at all. But yet we do all these things in the name of Christ. And then what happens is, is all of our, we all hang out as Christians, 
right, the Christian community. But then you start having like, you know, the numbers game. My church is bigger than your church. I, a couple weeks ago, my boss, um, he's not a believer, and he was like, hey, did you see that new church on East Johnson, the big one that they just built? Um, Calvary Life, I believe. And, and he's like, you know, he's always like, oh, they're advertising a speaker. And I'm like, hey, you should check it out. Well, you know, check it out. And then like last week, he was two weeks ago, he was like, they just put in a basketball court. He's like, your competition's getting ahead of you. You might want to, you know, step it up a little bit. And I'm like, we're not competing. But that's the mentality people even get when they see churches. It's like, you know, do a bigger VBA here. You know what I mean? Do something bigger here. How are we going to make it bigger so people notice us more? And so then there's fighting between the churches. And denominations are fighting about just, you know, how you're supposed to do certain things that mean nothing, you know. And then churches split because of decorations and and just stupid things and all these fightings are happening just as we saw in the bible times right everybody's like i'm sorry um so 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 now you know not only we separate ourselves from the worldly people right we we're now fighting with ourselves and we don't get along and we don't like other churches churches do not work together Trust me, they don't. I, I, I try putting stuff together. I've worked with Dennis putting concerts together and things together. I almost got into a fight with a pastor one time. <laughs> Dennis had to step in. It wasn't me. I, I was attacked, all right? But, but these things happen, and it's like, this is the Christian community. Like, the craziness of why we don't like that church or why, you know, this church is that way. And... Nothing gets done. People are not being saved. All we're doing is like, you know, just, you know, taking Christians from that church and, oh, I don't like that church. So bring them over here. And we just start just, you know, as pastors say, swapping saints. I wouldn't necessarily call them saints. But we, we start switching them back and around. And we've complicated Christianity. We've complicated it down to this whole rules and regulations thing. This whole thing of, you know, a, a lot of people, uh, there's a lot of churches in the area that if they came in here, you guys and myself would not be dressed appropriately for church. All right? One little kid took his shirt off back there during worship. You know, I was like, I want to do that. It's hot in here. But we'll talk to him later. No, it's yours. It was Jay Belcourt's. Uh, but, but, um, and, and so we, we've complicated it where it's like, oh, he's not wearing a tie. Um, therefore, he shouldn't be preaching. I've been to churches where you absolutely had to wear a suit when you preached. Absolutely had to. You go in there now, and the pastor looks like me. Right, because now it's culturally acceptable. So if it was an issue, a spiritual issue back then, why isn't it now? And, and all these things just get really complicated. Are, are you with me today? Translations of the Bible. People are like, well, I can't believe you use that translation, you know? And, 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 and fighting about just like how it's translated and, and, and what's going on. And I'm like, really, people, we need to get a life. Like, it's, it's pretty much sad. And, and that's all that's been going on. Turn with me to Mark 12. You guys with me? Have you been to those churches? Are you here now? No. <laughs> so, Mark 12, verse 28. Verse 28, Mark 12, it says this. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the discussion. He realized that Jesus had answered them well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, I was looking through this, and it's very interesting. The rabbis determined that there are 613 commandments. Okay, that's a whole lot of them. Anybody, can anybody name them all? 
Okay. Um, out of those 613, 248 were affirmative, and 365 were negative, the don'ts, the do-nots, that whole thing. And so what they were doing is the scribes and Pharisees would fight about which ones carried more weight. So now not only are they, you know, the laws, now it's like, okay, well, is this one better than this one? Is, is you know, and then so they're trying to see which one's heavier and lighter. And so now this guy is asking Jesus, out of all of these laws, which one is the most important? Because... Back then, as I said, Jesus, he was a little radical. He was a little different. And he, you know, they're wanting to see, you know, is he going to stray? Is he, you know, is he going to stick to stick to the Bible? What's going on? And so, you know, it was a very good question to try to try to get him. And here's how, how Jesus replied. He said, the most important, important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord with your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second, is, the second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there's only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbors as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing this man's understanding, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. Right? And so he's like, Here, out of all these laws, there's... Over 600 of them. Which one's the most important? And Jesus is like, love God with everything. With everything you had. Now, you know, you've heard the teachings of what it means to love him with your mind and your strength and your soul and all that stuff. And I don't think Christ was really getting to that point. It was just like, with everything within you, love God. But the second one is just as important. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and we see in the scripture different times where Christ is like, well, if you don't love your neighbor, you can't love me. If you don't love your brother, you can't love me. So they go hand in hand. And oftentimes, you know, for God, we're just loving God and we're hating people. Right? And so this gentleman here, he's speaking to him. He's saying, you know what? You, you've answered that well. You're right. It all comes down to that. The whole thing of Christianity comes down to that. It's not... What translation you read? It's not how much time you spend, you know, in devotions. Is it an hour? Could 45 minutes get you through the day? Are you able to miss one? Is it okay to miss church on Sunday on occasion? You know, it, it, all of that, that, that the Christianity culture, the Christian culture has become. It's, you know, it's how many people go to your church? You know, what, what are you guys doing today? What's the best skit we can throw? What is, you know, is, is the worship team, is it, you know, does it got everything? Does it have drums? Ooh, that's, that's of the devil. You know, does it, does it not have drums? Oh, you're too old-fashioned. You're not really worshiping God. You know, hymns, contemporary, what are you doing with it? And it's become all of that. And it's no different, right? And Jesus is like, listen, love God, love your neighbor. That's it. It's very simple. In all that we do, we're to love God with everything. And worship him more than anything. I have this written down. Genuine love for God is followed in importance by a genuine love for people. It is your evidence that you love God by the way that you interact and, and respond to other people. Not just Christians. Well, sometimes we're meaner to Christians than we are to non-Christians. But not just Christians, but, but people in general. How can we say that we love God who we, we have not physically seen, but yet we hate the person that God has created in his own image to worship him. Throw me to Luke 10. You guys with me? I know it's hot. Thanks, Dad. 
Oh, by the way, uh, let me interject. Happy birthday, Mom. Now that I have the mic, I can do whatever I want. Uh, it's my mom's birthday today. My dad's taking us all out to eat. Thanks, Dad. Um, so I'm trying to get through, through this quicker so I could eat. I'm joking. Totally. We're not eating until 3 if you want to meet us there. Um, Luke 10, 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. He gets tested quite a bit. Teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So he had that part right. He had exactly what we talked about. Right, Jesus said, do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked, and who is my neighbor? Back in Jesus' day, the religious people wanted to think their neighbor as other religious people. The wicked, they, they separated from the Samaritans, which, if you're familiar with the Bible, we're moving into that story, um, and, and the Gentiles and everything else. So they separated themselves. And so their neighbor pretty much is just the religious people of the day. And so he's asking, just to, just to confirm it with Jesus, he's saying, hey, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with an illustration. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and money, beat him up, and left him half dead by the road. By chance, a Jewish priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed on the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Can you imagine you're walking down the road, there's some dude naked and beaten up, just lying there. You know, probably moaning and dying, and, and like the religious people are like, ooh, hey, look at that guy, and I'm going to go on the other side. That's a little scary. You know? And I mean, how many times do we, we do that when we see people in need? And so he, he crosses over. Then, it, then a despised Samaritan, whoops, 33. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt deep pity. Kneeling beside this. Beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged them. Then he put the man in his own donkey and took him to, to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver and told him to take care of the man. If, this, if his bill runs higher than that, he said, I will pay the difference the next time I am here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now, you got to understand, with the Samaritans, Jews hated the Samaritans. Like, they were, they were despised people because they were like this cross between Gentile and, Samaritan, um, and Jews. And, and they were just kind of like, you know, the half-breed that they don't want to be around. And so the two religious people that should be helping out their fellow brother pass by on the other side. And the Samaritan, who is hated by the Jews, is the one to, to stop and help and give of his money. And they said, you know, the, the two pieces of silver was probably about two days' worth of, of his salary. Um, how many people would like to give up two pieces, um, two days' salary um, for somebody you don't know? It's not exactly the easiest thing to do, especially, you know, in these times. And so he's the one that, that put him on his donkey. He soothed him. He took care of him. And he's like, you know what, let's take care of him. Now, it's kind of a slap in the face at that point because it's like, he's like, you know, the, the Jews, those are your neighbors as you're asking, didn't bother helping him, but the non-neighbor, the one that you hate, helped him. 
How many times have we been in a church setting where the Christian wasn't very nice, but some unbeliever that, that absolutely doesn't believe in God at all is, is actually nicer to you? You get along with that person better because they're, they're just nice. They may not have God in their life, but not all unbelievers are like the meanest, craziest people in the world. And so this is what's happening. How many times do we see that? There's fighting in the church all the time, and then you meet some non-believer that, you know, that just will do anything for you, you know, whatever you need. They'll be the first ones to maybe help you move if you're moving or, 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 or give you something if you needed it. And I, I have good friends in my life that, that don't know God at all, but they're always there. They, they have my back all the time, you know, and it's kind of sad when, you know, when Christians are, are fighting and, and, and they're not getting along and then somebody that doesn't know God comes and, and does nice things for you and they're actually nicer and you'd rather be with that person because, you know, they don't beat you up like the Christians do. All right. Are you with me? Right. Got a few blank stares, so I want to make sure. Um, so, you know, the prevailing opinion of the day back then was that, you know, you, you had your Jews and then the rest were the wicked people and you separate yourself from as as you know Psalm has said you know in Psalm it says you know stay away from the wicked and all that and what happened is, is it gave them liberty to to turn away from people that that were not practicing Jews people that were not of their kind and it, and it justified them they were just like you know what oh, the Bible says I got to do it and and so they did it but they should understand and we need to understand is that you know there are people in this world that don't know God that are struggling and yes, we're not supposed to participate in, in the sin or even embrace the sin of their lives. But at the same time, we're supposed to maybe even hate that sin enough in their lives to show them love and pray for them so that they can turn to God and have eternal life like we have. Does that make sense? And so it's not our duty to, to stay away from unbelievers because they are, you know, as, as I think Matt Chandler said, they have the sinnies and they're like contagious. Okay, you know, I think the problem is, is our churches have grown so shallow spiritually that we can't be around unbelievers because they end up influencing us more than we influence them. And that's the part of that's our fault. That's 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 our fault that we're not growing deep enough that we can be a light in the world. Jesus sent his man. He spent some time with his disciples and he's like, all right, go out and do it. You know, and they're pretty much on their own with one other guy. And and they spent time with with these non-believers. And how many of us are guilty of that, of just of just not loving our neighbor, loving the non-believer? And listen, you don't love them just to get them saved. Okay. the last thing somebody wants to know is that you are you are befriending them just because you think they have an issue and they need Jesus. And the moment that maybe they just reject it entirely, you kind of move on to the next test case right, you got to show you know you, you develop these race relationships and they're lifelong they're they're a time of just hey you know what i'm going to love this person whether or not they receive christ whether or not they come to that point and i'm just going to draw close and 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 encourage them you don't need to beat them with the bible all the time but but as you go through life they should notice somewhat of a difference there should be this hey you're just a little different type thing and we should be able to be strong enough that we can we can do that I read a a good little quote this week. It says, Godly hatred is marked by a broken hearted, wait, is marked by broken hearted grieving over the condition of the sinner. You know, that's that's the whole thing. Godly hatred is is marked by, you should be grieving over the sin in somebody's life. 
and not to point them out and, and, and tell them there's something absolutely wrong with them and like it's contagious, but that, you know, maybe the girl Dennis was talking about, it's like, you know, God, God has, as, as we spoke about last week, God has created you with a purpose and a plan for your life. And, and we're going we're gonna to help you out. It's not like, okay, okay, change your mind like that. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't. People deal with deep-rooted issues that, that you can't be like, okay, okay, stop doing that, you know? Because, yeah, maybe she doesn't practice homosexuality, but she can't help the feelings that are growing within her because maybe that's all she's known for a while because of something that might have happened in her life. And so we, we as Christians are like, well, hey, you know, um, okay, stop. And you're like, oh, okay. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. You know, I, I think if we all exposed what we've been dealing with for years in our lives, we'd be quite surprised by each other. But once again, we've got to come into church and, you know, and carry the Bible and, and, and worship. And, you know, at certain times in the song, maybe raise a hand, you know, and, and we know how to do that. But it's, it, it does. This, this whole year for me has been great. And just kind of, I just sit back and I watch. I watch people. I watch Christians. I watch non-believers. I, I'm a people watcher. If you ask Mariah, we go into a restaurant. My back is never to the door. I have to see people coming in and, and, and watch, and, and just I'm a people watcher. Part of it is um, I think I'm Jason Bourne, so I have to keep an eye on everybody coming in just in case something happens, okay? But, um, you know, but I'm just a people watcher, and I see how people interact with people in the church and outside the church, and it is quite embarrassing, you know? It is, people ask me, they're like, well, so-and-so is a Christian, um, and you are, but you don't act like that. And I'm like, thank God I don't. You know, I had a, I had a woman at work. She's no longer there, but she uh, she was a Christian over the top. Just just she was a Christian. Everybody knew she was a Christian. I mean, she she'd bring in like big prayer frame things. And you know, if you have something on your desk, personal opinion here, but I, I think I'm right. You know, you bring in a picture of your family and you put it on your desk at work. Who do you face it towards? Yourself, because you want to see that. It's your private space. You want to see it. She was facing it towards all the coworkers of, of the Jesus stuff. So the outside of her desk was all lined of Jesus stuff, and her coworker was sitting where my friend here is. I'm sorry, I totally forget your name. Alvin, that's right. And so, you know, she's like, and so she comes up and she's like, well, you're a Christian. I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, how do I deal with this situation? Because I don't really want to be reading that Jesus stuff all day. And it seems like she's pointing it at me. Like, it's not like I went by it and it was on her desk, but it was more like pinpointing little laser, like, you know, oh, hey, read this, you know. And, and she would change it and do this. And I'm like, you know, some people are just a little different. And I think, you know, that doesn't really like spread the love of God when you torment people with religious things. You know, it, it just doesn't. So maybe it's just personal opinion on me. But, you know, when I bring in pictures of Mariah and they're on my desk, they face me. You know, I don't, I'm not like, oh, here's my wife. Look at her all day, you know. <laughs> and so same thing, like, you know, you want your Jesus plaque and you want your stuff. It, it's, it's your thing. You brought it in for you to be reminded of God. Not to, like, you know, beat your coworkers up with it, you know. And I just want to encourage you. Just kind of, you know, we need to evaluate our lives. You know, how do we respond first? How to respond to people in the church? If, if we're a Christian, you know, the, we are we're together. It's a community. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. How do we respond to it? Because it is getting tiring seeing churches compete. It is absolutely. We love it here because it's just a, a smaller church, and and it's just kind of like you know, worship and preaching. Can you imagine a church of just worship and preaching? I mean, it's how it was done back in the day, you know? And it's not always, how do we make it bigger? How do we get more people? How do we, how do we steal other people? You know, it, it's not that. And so what is, what is our response to other people in, within the body? 
Because non-believers see that, and non-believers understand that. And they're like, well, I thought that person was a Christian. But then what is our response to, to non-believers? I mean, could anybody truly walk through that door and be accepted here? No matter what they look like, no matter what they're wearing or anything, would, would that person be accepted here or in churches anywhere? And a lot of churches, probably not. And what would our response be when a new person walks in and they, maybe they don't look the way we like them to look? What's our response to that? And we, need to, we really need to carefully evaluate that because I think some of us have the loving God down part. You know, I, th- I think we have that. We come to church and we spend time with God and, you know, we, we, we do the, the Christian duties that we're supposed to do, you know. But then we're always using the Bible as a sword to cut people down and why they're wrong and why they're not doing it right. And, and it just like... Like I said, this year has been, I, I used to be pretty, pretty legalistic. I got out of a, when I, when I got out of seminary, it was pretty crazy. You know, they, they were pretty legalistic. Uh, you weren't ever allowed to talk to the girls. Uh, no music. I mean, just, just, I can go on all day about it. And, and when I got out, I just found me just kind of judging churches. Kind of like, oh, man, you know, why, you know, oh, oh, you know, they can't be doing that, you know. And. Over this last year, I've, I, I think I've been tempered down a little bit of just showing more grace. I was actually talking to a friend that, that moved away, and he was like, you know, we've, we've gone the route of grace. We've gone the route of, you know, we, we've, we've moved on from other churches, and, and we're understanding grace a little more, and we're a little more lenient and tolerant. And I'm not saying you let all, everything go, but there's some non-issues that we make issues, you know. And, but he made, he made this statement, and it's funny because I've made this statement before, is we've seen other people leave other churches and because they've been so jaded, they're more legalistic and more judgmental than ever before. You know, it's like because they've been jaded and now they find fault with, with all churches. And, you know, church is run by a man. It, you know, Dennis is not God. Sorry. And, and, and he, he, he's not God. And so some of the things that he's going to do and some of the things that the leadership's going to do, it's just... People, just personality, hey, this is what we want to do. And sometimes some of it's going to work and be great, and some of it's just going to be dumb, and, and it's fine. It, it, it's just people running it. But we can't mistake God for people. We can't mistake, you know, doing things for a church and doing things for God. You know, we, I, I've wasted a lot of time in life doing things for churches. You know, just great ideas and just doing things for church. And you realize, well, I never did that. That was really for God. It was for the pastor or the leader or somebody else. And so we need to like differentiate between like, you know, just because you, you do a bunch of stuff doesn't mean you're doing it for God. It means you just really don't have any hobbies and you don't want to hang around with sinners. So you just do a lot of church stuff to keep yourself busy. And, and that's what happens. So evaluate it. Think about it. Listen, it's, this is not the perfect church. There is no perfect church. It, and, and so, like, as much as I'm saying extend grace to each other, you extend grace to your leadership, too. All right? It, it, sometimes just it seems like a good idea in a meeting, and then you execute it, and it's just dumb. All right? It, it happens. We've done it so many times with the youth group. We're like, all right, let's do this. And we're like, that was stupid. <laughs> you know, and people are all mad. Um, so, so check yourself, really, honestly. Like, if you have an issue with somebody in the church, take care of it. I mean, that's kind of how it is. You know, I mean, that's that's basic Christianity right there. Um, and show love towards towards believers and non-believers. It's okay to have a non-Christian friend. Absolutely. It, it is okay. I, I think Jesus kind of encourages it. Um, he says, go and, and, and get them. And, and, and to go, you have to meet them there. Okay? It doesn't mean go and 
meet them at a Christian coffee house. You can bring them if you want. I'm not knocking that entirely, but Christian coffee houses are usually just for Christians. Usually. But but go and, and you know go to a game. Go you know maybe take out the eye you know take your iPod out at the gym, um, and and talk to the person next to you. Tennis leg, no. Um, talk to the person next to you. You know, work at work. Maybe you know you probably had a coworker sitting there for eight years next to you. And you don't even know their name or the names of their kids. Maybe talk to them. You know. So, anyways, so that's that's really what I what I had this week. Um, it's it's what God's been putting on my heart for me um, is to really just show unconditional love to people, all kinds of people, because people get on your nerves. They they really do. They they make you angry. Family members could do the same thing. Um, you know, it's just it's just life. And uh, so, love God with everything you have, but. The next thing is to love people. Do not use the Bible or use God to cut people down and to, like, you know, tear them up and, and, and justify why you're better than they are. Let's pray. God, I do thank you for everybody here. God, I thank you for your word. I Hopefully it was clear, God, and, and our lives would change from hearing your word, God, not just the words that I speak. And, God, we do want to love you with everything within us, and, and that's evidenced by our love towards others not just believers in the church, but God, everybody in other churches and people that don't even go to church. Give us grace. God, I pray that we would uh, try to control our tempers when dealing with people at work and at church, God, and we would, uh, Lord, we would just show grace, God, as, as you've done in our lives. Lord, we are all sinners saved by your grace, and we thank you for that, God. Lord, be with us the rest of the day. Draw us closer to you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go home, turn your air conditioners on.